So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at our vision and values here at Hope Church. So we have our, our overarching theme of love God and love people. And then within that, we've got our five church values. Um, so we've been looking at pursuing the heart of God, discovering our God-given purpose. And then last week, John talked to us about bringing hope to the community. Um, today, we're looking at restoring the brokenhearted. And then next week, we will be creating a culture of generosity. And so if you've missed any of those, I really encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, catch up with any that you might have missed, because this is really important stuff for us as a church. This is kind of what we base our our values on. So, yeah, make sure you catch up with those. So today's value is all about kind of coming alongside people, um, encouraging growth in an emotional and a spiritual way. So we want to encourage that emotional and spiritual health in people. And it's taken from the verses in Isaiah 61 that say, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And uh, as we know, Jesus read this portion of scripture in the synagogue as a description of what he had been called to do. And so I think it's really important that we kind of sit up and listen to that because we want to be imitating Jesus, don't we? And so it it talks about bringing people to wholeness. And so I really feel that it's the church's responsibility to help people on this journey towards wholeness. Um, With to support people so that they can function out of a place of knowing that they are loved and knowing that they are worth something. So this is essentially about mental health. And if you know me at all, you know that I am passionate about this. Um, And I really hope that I can take you on a journey today of considering how mental health impacts and affects us all. But also that we can become Jesus to a hurting world when it comes to mental health issues. So yeah, you will have heard me speak about these things before, and, but I think it's always good to hear this stuff. Um, and so my prayer is that each of you that are hearing it, whether you've heard it before or not, that you just take something new away from it. and and take that next step towards restoration. Um, The Bible speaks about mental health quite a lot. It describes life through the eyes of despair and depression. So if you look at some of the lowest moments written about in the Psalms, you'll see things like, My soul is in deep anguish. I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Why, Lord, do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? So that's pretty heartfelt stuff, isn't it? And I think something that at some point we can all identify with because often we can feel that God is absent when we're going through some stuff or we can feel so low that we flood our bed with tears. It's something that we all go through at some point. And the book of Ecclesiastes is another one that speaks from the place of despair, and it starts with the words, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And there's even a book called Lamentations, 
and to lament is to passionately express grief and sorrow. King David knew what it was like to feel really down and depressed, and that's where a lot of the Psalms come from. And so did King Solomon, and so did most of the nation of Israel. So this mental health stuff is not a new thing. It's something that has been going on for years and years, and God knows about it, and he's been hearing about it for years. But the current situation is terrible, and we hear about it in the media all the time. We hear about suicides, we hear about depression and anxiety, we hear about the strain on mental health professionals and services. So if I'm to give you some statistics, poor mental health carries an economic and social cost of £105 billion a year in England. Over 700,000 people take their own life each year, so that equates to one person every 40 seconds. 115 people die by suicide in the UK every week, with 75% of those deaths being men. One in five people have suicidal thoughts. One in 15 people attempt suicide. Males age 45 to 49 have the highest suicide rate. And 10% of young people self-harm. I'm just going to say this now and get it out of the way. Uh, this, this week, on Thursday evening, there was a young girl from my school who took her own life. So, you know, we can, we can look at these statistics, and they don't really mean anything. But when it's that close to you, when it's in our community, when it's just down the road, that's when it starts to have an impact. So obviously that's been a massive shock for our school community this week. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just hard, isn't it? I think it just really brings it home, doesn't it, when either you know someone who's gone through that or you can see the impact that it has on other people. So I didn't know the girl that took her own life, but I've worked with some of the kids that are her friends, and so I've kind of seen that that knock-on effect, that impact that it's had on them. So mental health issues are huge. I'm just going to plow on. <laughs> um, and I'm not suggesting for one second that we've got all the answers, but I do believe that God has. And so I think that it's our role to at least try and come alongside hurting people where they're at and uh, be Jesus where Jesus is needed most. So today we're going to have a lesson in neuroscience. And you will have heard some of this stuff before because I have spoken on it before. But your brain is amazing. Obviously it would be because God made it and, you know, we're all made in the image of God. So of course it would be. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's, a, she's my hero. She's a Christian neuroscientist, and she's done some amazing, groundbreaking work showing that thoughts are real, physical things in the brain. And so when you look at a living brain and go deep into those tiny, minute parts of it, you can see what looks like trees growing. And these are called dendrites, and they grow as you think. So when you have a thought, your mind activates these dendrites and they become real protein structures in your brain and they form into branches and trees. And the more time you give to a thought, the more this tree grows and the more that it affects your future thinking. 
You capture thoughts as physical things that grow in your brain, and you are the designer of that tree. And then that, therefore, impacts your behaviour. So if I had to give you an example, let's say, for example, you're eight years old, you're going to school, you're feeling a bit off that day, you're not really putting your all into your work, and so you may be a little bit under the weather. And so your teacher sees you staring out of the window and calls across the classroom, hey, lazy bones, get some work done. And they might not think anything of it, and you know they're not trying to be mean or anything. But you might think, oh, I'm lazy. And a little branch starts to grow on a tree in your brain. And then if you get through your whole childhood and you're never called lazy again, then that's fine. There's no harm done. But if your teacher calls you lazy a few times, and then later your next teacher refers to you as lazy, and then maybe you get to secondary school and become a teenager, and you start sleeping in at the weekends, and you fight against doing chores, and so then your parents get in on the act and they say, oh, you're just lazy, you are. And then the more times you are told that you're lazy and the more that you allow that to plant in your brain, then it becomes a reality to you. You feel that you are lazy. You think it, you believe it, and it has power over you. And so suddenly you are a lazy person. That's what defines you. And everything you do is viewed from this thought of, I am lazy. So you don't bother trying to help out when there's a need because you're lazy. That's who you are and there's not a lot you can do about it. You might spend a lot of time in bed when you can. You don't tidy up after yourself. You don't apply yourself and so on because you're lazy and that's just who you are. So being lazy might not be such a big deal, but what if that thought that has been planted is, I'm ugly, or I'm not loved, or I'm not worth anything? And then you allow that thought to grow and grow until it's all you can think about. Then every conversation you have, every room you walk into, everything you do comes out of that view of, I am not loved, I am not worth much. It could be that you are the most beautiful, wonderful, lovely person on the planet, but you can't accept that because your tree that you have grown in your brain says, I'm ugly, I'm not loved. And you keep watering it and growing it. And then your behaviour reflects that too. A person who feels so unloved behaves in a way that is destructive. Perhaps they turn to alcohol or drugs. Perhaps they begin to self-harm. I can say with certainty that there'll definitely be symptoms associated with poor mental health, like depression, anxiety, low mood, maybe eating problems, sleeping problems, things like that. And that all has a, a physical effect on the body as well as an emotional effect. But having this insight that thoughts are real physical things, it brings a whole new perspective to taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the amazing thing about the brain is that it can be changed. This is called neuroplasticity. And there's this process that we go through that gradually kills off the unhealthy thought and then allows us to grow a new thought that's healthy in its place. And we have divine power from God to demolish strongholds to demolish these unhealthy thoughts that we allow to grow in our brains. We have divine power from God to do that. 
We can take our thoughts captive and we can bring them in line with what God says about us instead of what the world says. So the way that you use your mind brings change. It takes determination, but it is possible to completely change your thought patterns, to actually change the physical structure of your brain through using your mind effectively. You might have heard that it takes 63 days to form a habit. Well, that, that phrase is, is based on this same neuroscience. So the daily process in its very basic form is taking time out at the start of each day for no more than 10 minutes a day to consider what you actually feel in your physical body. So it might be things like a headache or nausea or things like that. What you feel in your emotions, so whether it's sadness or, yeah, anything. And then you think about what that negative thought is. So if you've been telling yourself, I'm not worthy or I am unloved, then you think about that. And then think about the thought that you would like to replace it with. So I am loved. And you tell yourself that. And you think about what the end result looks like. What is it that you're trying to achieve? Imagine a life out of the lens of I am loved and try and aim for that. And then the suggestion is in the neuroscience that you think about this, this new thought and imagine what life could be like seven, at seven different points throughout the day and just dwell on it for a minute or two at seven points throughout the day. And I love how this is backed up in the Bible where it says, Psalm 119, it says, I stop to praise you seven times a day all because your ways are perfect. I just find that incredible. And I say that the Bible backs this up. It's actually neuroscience backing up the Bible, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> it's, it's almost like God knew. God knew what he was doing. <laughs> but this process takes determination and a motivation to want to change because it can be very emotionally draining. You're basically doing brain surgery on your own brain. So you react all day long and process everything you experience dependent on your developed thoughts. And the more you focus on one particular thought, the more it controls you. So you have to choose to change your brain. Your mind controls your brain and not the other way around. In Matthew 12, it says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So this is the same principle. If we see the world through a lens of not loving ourselves or feeling worthless, then that's like producing bad fruit from an unhealthy tree. And the opposite is true. If we see the world through God's eyes, if we see ourselves through a lens of his love for us, and then we start to produce good fruit from healthy trees. We know our worth, we know our purpose. So then what you say and do is not a random event that can't be helped, but it's, it's based on thoughts that you have already built up in your mind. The trees we plant in our brain can be used for healing or for destruction. And since I learned this, that thoughts are real physical matter in the brain that can be changed, my understanding of many Bible passages has been changed as well. I'm getting loads of light bulb moments and new insight every time I read the Bible. So if we consider Ephesians 4, it says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 
Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge, indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So when you read that through the lens of neuroscience and understanding about thoughts being planted in the brain, it gives a bit of different insight into it. We're told to be made new in the attitude of our minds, and that when we are not new, we are darkened in our understanding. We live in the futility of our thinking. We give in to the world and the way the world does things, because we're living through that lens of unhealthy thinking. But once we can understand this principle of changing our thoughts to become more like Christ, we can take responsibility for this in our own lives. We can no longer be swayed by the world, and that's an amazing place to live from. So when we live from this place of knowing that we are loved, then we can much more easily tune into a lifestyle of worship, of praying, of reading the word, of hearing from God, and we can engage with noticing when we're feeling a bit anxious and handing it over to God in that moment, in that instant. We might tell ourselves that we have poor mental health because of our genetics or through life experiences and that we can't change it, it's just the hand we were dealt but learning that thoughts can be changed means stepping up and taking responsibility for our own mental health. Now please hear me right, I absolutely know that horrific things happen to people that they have no control over and could do nothing to prevent. However, each one of us has a choice about what we do with that experience. We can allow it to take root in us and grow into unhealthy thoughts or we can fight against it and choose to grow healthy thoughts. Do you know, you hear stories of people going through such incredibly difficult situations or trauma or abuse, and they seem okay and perfectly rounded people. But then others who've been through similar situations and have destroyed their lives through self-harm or addictions or even suicide. And we don't blame these people at all for the way that they've reacted. We can understand why they would behave that way. But it is a tragedy and there is another way. You'll probably have heard of Christine Kane. We did um, a life group series called Unexpected earlier this year where she uh, gave us some incredible teaching on video. And um, she's just an amazing example of somebody who has used her negative experiences and childhood trauma and turned it into something amazing. She decided to do good and she started a charity that rescues people from human trafficking. Um, she's written many books and she speaks all around the world and inspires people to discover their purpose and do all that they can to help others. So her charity is called A21 and it aims to save people from forced labour, forced marriage, being taken as child soldiers and any other type of slavery. Um, the charity also aims to educate people about modern slavery and trafficking. They currently have five freedom centres where rescued victims can go and be cared for. And in 2021 alone, they rescued nearly 600 victims and got them to safety. In August this year, her organisation rescued 51 women from an international trafficking ring in Greece. And with their intel, they were able to help and support Interpol and the local police 
to arrest 22 traffickers. They were able to provide emergency housing for the women, as well as legal support, and help them to return to their home countries. She is having an incredible impact on the world through her ministry, and it could have been a very different story because of the abuse that she went through as a child. She often talks about forgiveness playing a huge part in her being able to move forward. And if you look at the physical makeup of the brain, unforgiveness actually looks the same as an unhealthy thought, a dendrite growing in your brain. So that means that unforgiveness has the same impact on us as a negative thought or belief. And it has the same symptoms as depression, anxiety, and it actually causes us mental health issues when we don't forgive people. The more you think about that person and what they've done to you, the more you are watering that unhealthy root. I think, in a way, our own sin is easier to deal with or our own thought patterns that we've allowed to grow. Because sometimes we can acknowledge that we've done wrong and we can turn away from it and start again. But if somebody else has caused us that pain, it can be much harder. You might have heard the saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that's so true. When we hold on to things that hurt us or we dwell on it, it's like we're poisoning our brains. We're creating unhealthy thoughts and therefore unhealthy behaviours. I know that it's not easy to forgive, but it is absolutely essential to our own well-being that we do. Even if you feel like you can't say, I forgive that person, you can just take the next step and say, I want to be able to forgive that person. And that's a great starting point. We've been running the Freedom in Christ course, and that's a great way for working through forgiving people. We're going to be holding a Steps to Freedom Day towards the end of the month as part of the course. Um, And as part of that, we, we go through the process of forgiveness. So even if you've not done the rest of the course, I'd really encourage you to show up for that day because it just works through so many of these issues and it helps us to move forwards. But as I've said, each of us has that choice whether or not we allow healthy thoughts to take root and grow. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, it says this day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. God gives us the choice and he pleads with us to choose life. An unhealthy thought does not create a normal pattern in the brain and it's recognised by the body as physical brain damage. And if we continue to believe the unhealthy thought or live in unforgiveness, that tree grows bigger and bigger and it can't be healed while we're still feeding it and that is us choosing death and curses. But when we allow God to show us the thoughts that we need to work on and allow him to heal us, spending time each day renewing our minds, then we can bring our thoughts into captivity and we can choose life. And it's so important for us to include the Holy Spirit in this process. The verses that I just read tell us to listen to the voice of God and hold fast to him. And if we're not listening to the voice of God, we're either listening to ourselves, we're listening to the world around us, or we're listening to the devil. And none of those options is going to lead us to a good place. We have more power over our minds than we think. And perhaps that's one of the lies that the devil tries to get us to believe. He tries to tell us that we can't change, there's no point in trying. 
But 2 Timothy verse 1, sorry, chapter 1 verse 7 tells us that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Some versions say power, love and sound mind. God has given us the power that we need to change. He gives us love to uphold us throughout and he gives us the ability to create a sound mind within us. It's so important that we seek God in all that we do. You might have heard it said that a lie holds no power over you until you believe it. So if you don't believe the lie, it holds no power over you. Truth always holds power because it's truth. And it's the responsibility of each of us to discover God's truth and put that into action. This is just as important for our mental health as it is for any other aspect of our lives and walk with God. Love is also a choice. Love wouldn't exist if God didn't give us free will. Love is a choice we make and we have the freedom to choose who we love. The Bible tells us that God is love. It's the very core of who he is and we are created in his image. Our default setting is to love and be loved. But we very often choose to reflect a different image. It's our mandate in life to love God and love people. But this can only happen when we also choose to love ourselves and receive the love that God pours out onto us. We are made to love and wired for love. The Bible also tells us that perfect love casts out fear. So love and fear cannot coexist. If you're not living in love, you're living in fear. Our perfect design from our perfect creator is that we think positive thoughts and love ourselves and others. We're actually designed to be addicted to God. The definition of addiction is being mentally or physically dependent on something. We are designed to be wholly dependent on God. And if we're choosing not to wholly depend on God, then we'll end up depending on something or someone else instead. We'll be addicted to something else. But only God can sustain us. People say that faith in God is just a crutch to get you through life. And I'll be the first to admit that it is. I need Jesus. <laughs> and I'd much rather it be Jesus than anything else. So your mind communicates with your brain and it impacts it. But it also communicates with and impacts your spirit. So while your choices affect your brain development, they also affect your spiritual development. I've seen this happen where people who were once walking with God begin to water and grow negative thoughts, and they start slipping into the behaviours of the world, thinking negatively about themselves. And alongside this, they move further and further away from God. Renewing our mind not only causes healthy physical growth in our natural brains, but it also causes healthy spiritual growth bringing us into a closer relationship with God. I just find it amazing the way that God has designed us. He wants us to know and feel love. He wants us to depend fully on him so that we can take his love to others and help to heal other people. If we can take responsibility for our own spiritual and mental health journey, then we're in much better place to come alongside other people when they are hurting and broken. So what are we doing as a church to help with this? Well, many of you are taking part in the Freedom in Christ course, which is a fantastic resource that gives us the tools to break strongholds that we have over our lives. It takes us on a spiritual journey towards restoration and freedom. 
And as I've mentioned, as part of this course, we're going to be holding a Steps to Freedom Day. And so I highly recommend that you join us for that, even if you've not been attending the course. It takes you through seven steps, which are designed to help you let go of anything that might be holding you back. And it allows you to step forward into all that God has for you. And we continue to run courses like this that you can engage with to improve your own mental health and your spiritual journey, which puts you in a good position to help others. We're also developing a pastoral care team. We have people poised and ready for action as part of this team. We want to ensure that everyone at Hope Church is thought about and cared for. And I know that this is already happening in so many ways, but I also know that it could be better. So bear with us as we go through this process. But in the meantime, if you feel that you need support and help for anything at all, please speak to myself, speak to John or speak to Leslie. And we want to come alongside you in whatever it is that you're going through. And then finally, I'm launching a mental health course for young people. Um, another statistic that I read just this week is that 75% of mental health issues start in the teenage years. So hopefully I'll be delivering the first session on Tuesday in the school that I work in. And the course is called Cardia, which is the Greek word for heart, but it also encompasses the mind and the soul as well. And that's how it's used in the Bible. And this course takes young people on a journey towards good mental health. It looks at a lot of the teaching in neuroscience that I've shared with you today. And uh, it encourages them to um, take responsibility for their own mental health journey. And it also points them towards God as their saviour and healer. And then it covers issues that are prominent amongst young people today, like comparison and use of social media. If you'd like to see it, I've brought the books with me today to show off. So, <laughs> But also, if you, if you know of any young people that you think might benefit from this, then please do come and speak to me and put them in touch with me, as I'm hoping to run a course from the church as well. And while I'm on that point, I need some good prayer warriors. I want to uh, put a, a WhatsApp group together that I can just post in any time I'm doing something to do with Cardia and just get people behind me praying um, for what's going on. So if you're interested in that, I will spam you, so be prepared for that. Um, but if you want to be a part of that group, then let me know and I will add you in. But all of this stuff that we're doing, it's just the start, and I just see it kind of growing and, and blooming out from this point. You know, as John said last week, in four years we've be become a church that is known in our community to the point where we've been invited to a do at the council in recognition of our service in the community. And we're constantly taking steps towards being needed in our community, so there would be that gap if we were to be removed. There are so many opportunities and possibilities for us to come alongside people and lead them to Jesus, seeing brokenness restored. So we're, just, we're going to go into a time of ministry in a moment. So when you guys are ready, if you want to... Sorry, George, you've just sat down. <laughs> just when you're ready. We're going to go into a time of ministry and just give people opportunity to respond to everything that's been said this morning. Um, so I just want to highlight some areas that I feel God wants to do some work in. So uh, we're going to ask that if you want prayer, that you come forward. Um, we'll have members of our prayer team up front here ready to pray with you. And they're not going to ask for a detailed life history or anything like that. But they're just going to ask for your reason for wanting prayer and then they'll pray with you and we'll see what God does. 
So there's a few different groups of people that I believe that God wants to meet with today. So the first of these is people that struggle with a broken heart, whatever that looks like, whether that's a poor mental health, whether you're grieving, whether you're just going through a really hard time at the moment. God can heal you and turn it all around. Sometimes that's a process where we take responsibility and God heals us bit by bit, and that's definitely been my story, but sometimes God does it in an instant. So let's just be brave and come and ask God for those um, amazing healings. So if you're someone who feels broken and you want to see healing in that area, whether God does that instantly or just starts that process, then I really encourage you to come forward and get prayer. Another group is those of you that might not necessarily feel broken, but you speak negatively about yourself and you know that you do. And so while I've been talking, God's kind of prompted something in you that says, that's you, you, you say bad things about yourself. And so I just would encourage you to come forward that you would have the courage and strength to start speaking life over yourself. Another group is those who felt a real tug and attention when I was talking about forgiveness. And you know that you need to forgive someone and it's eating up at you, but you're really struggling with that and you feel like you can't get let go of it because it feels just unjust. It feels like you're letting them get away with something. But I just would encourage you to come forward and just ask God to help you to take the next step with that. And then finally, I'd like um, people who, whose heart breaks for broken people. So if you've done the spiritual gifts questionnaire as part of our, our shape questionnaire, then you'll probably have scored highly in mercy showing or shepherding. You feel a burden and your heart just breaks when you see people hurting emotionally or spiritually. And you want to reach out to people, but you're a bit lost about what the next step is or how to do that. So we want to pray with you too. So Lord God, I just thank you for the amazing way that you've created us. I thank you that there's always that second chance with you and that you've created us so that we can always come back to you, that we can choose life. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness and for your love. Help us to forgive and love others in the same way that you have forgiven us and love us. And God, we just ask for breakthrough in all these areas. We just pray for your healing touch on people that are struggling with things in their mind. And God, we just remember as well the family of this girl that's taken her own life this week. And God, we just pray, God, that you be with them. God, just comfort them. Thank you, Jesus, that you are always faithful. Faithful.